Layer two summer is getting hotter and hotter. Three Ooh. new roll-up ecosystems have joined Ethereum just this last week. This isn't just another OP stack. It's not just another Arbitrum or ZK Sync. These are brand new ecosystems coming into the Ethereum uh, layer two roll-up fold. Bankless Nation, it is the fourth Friday of September. David, what time is it? Uh, Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday Weekly Roll-Up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor. This week, no exception, yet we persevere into the frontier nonetheless. nonetheless. How are you doing this week, Ryan? Oh, I'm good, man. Back from permissionless, feeling energized. It was great to meet the community last week in person, um, get some proof the, of humanity One, one time a year that Ryan manifests. Yeah, yeah some hugs, mm -hmm. well, handshakes. Um, high Fist fives, bumps. stuff like that. <laughs> Fist bumps, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Anyway, okay, we got some topics of the week, David. The SEC, they're coming after the celebs, man. Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, Gary Gensler does not like what they did with their NFT project. We're going to talk about that. What else we got? But why this NFT project? Is it because of the celebrities? We'll talk about that. Coming up after that, Ethereum collects three new roll-ups this week. Two of them previous layer ones, now layer twos on Ethereum. And the third based on Solana, Solana on Ethereum as an L2. What is going on with that? We're gonna cover that. And then Ryan, what's after that? We got Coinbase. Apparently they have a 570 ETH work of Alchemix's money. How in the world did that happen? And should they give it back? This is kind of a, an MEV mm -hmm. question. Legal and question, moral question, some big questions. It's a quandary. It's a real quandary yes. we got on Conundrum. today's episode. Yeah. And then speaking of quandaries, Mark Cuban, he lost almost a million dollars in a wallet hack. Oof. Not good news. Not we'll tell you a bit more about that. David, before we get in, we got a message from our friends and sponsors over at Bridging Protocol Platform Layer Zero. What do they want people to know? Layer Zero and Google Cloud have partnered up and they are ready to bring the interoperable cross-chain apps of the future to you. Uh, this is what they want to do. So, of course, what, what is Layer Zero? It's a simpler, simple modular framework for applications to use the Layer Zero smart contracts that exist on 15 different chains and then Google Cloud as the default oracle between these different smart contracts are the service provider for passing messages so that apps on different chains can start to be woven together. So Google Cloud is the latest option uh, of oracles for Layer Zero is serve as the default. Uh, but of course, Layer Zero, if you want to pick your own oracle, that is something that you can apparently do. Uh, so visit LayerZero.network for more information uh, if you are working in the world of cross-chain interoperability. Cross-chain. We're moving from this world of cross-chain mm -hmm. to a multi-chain, which is different. You deploy once and you got it across many different chains. So mm -hmm. uh, very cool stuff there. David, let's get to the markets though. Speaking of cool stuff, how are we looking on Bitcoin it's, price? Is that cool? I don't know what you're cool talking about. Cool. Not cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, we, Bitcoin <laughs> lost $100 in the week, which isn't that crazy. No, that's, that's not that crazy at all. Not that crazy. I mean, it's not cool, it's but not it's cool. not like it's bad. It's not cool. Yeah, it's something in the middle. Uh, how about ETH? It's worse. Uh, definitely not mm. cool. Down 3%. Mm. Started the week at 1640, currently at 1590. I think I saw a low of 1575. Uh, not, not cool. It's not cool. Thanks to Kraken for these charts, though. And uh, if I press reload, does the price go up at all? Uh, I should <laughs> you try should that. try that a few more times. How many times do you uh, do that per day? Just <laughs> like, you know, if you don't like the price, you just reload. Yeah, that's never worse for me. Keep that only works in the bull market where you legitimately reload and all of a sudden you're like, you know, a few bits but David, more, but more David, wealthy. There are those days. Do you there remember are them? those days? Yeah. They, it was distant in the where past. Where we had but those stupid days? large green candles. Man, God. we haven't had a stupid large green candle in a long time. I miss them. I'm starting to miss them. Absolutely to go, like, deprived of dopamine, man. 
double digit days, right? Mm-hmm. Where you just like, you'd look at the charts and it'd be up like 10%. And you look at it again and be up like 15%. You look at it again, it's like yeah. up 19%. Yeah. You look at it again, it's down to like back to 12%. Like, it's yeah. just the whole day. And you go into work and I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember my first cycle. I'm not saying it's healthy. Okay. Oh, I'm just no, saying. No, it is. It's bad for your mental health, but it's temporarily <laughs> okay. good. You know, just it's just a drug, you know, it's just like cocaine. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that, David, but uh, maybe, maybe that's for a different show. Um, <laughs> you here's your tweet. Speaking of <laughs> tweet. <laughs> Eth has spent almost 500 days between 1,100 and 2,200. That's 2x bottom and top. Compared to 2017, ETH spent 700 days between 80 and, two, uh, and 320. That's 4x bottom and top. Okay, it's getting dangerous because David is charting. So uh, tell me about the chart, man. What's your TA analysis here? Uh, I mean, it's just a comparison of time, right? It it makes sense that in 2017 to 2020, that bear market, that it was a 4X bottom to top range. Things were less liquid. Uh, They were lower market cap. That's just the nature of markets. Um, And now 700 days. That is the thing I'm comparing here. The the thing I'm trying to get apples to apples. So 700 days was the bear market of old. Uh, Today, we are passing 500 days of this current bear market uh, between 1,100 and 2,200. So um, have we paid our dues? Is that what you're telling me? Or we got 200 more days to go? Uh, I think the left curve, bell curve take is we got 200 more days to go. Um, mm. Also, I will say like we're at the top of, the closer to the top of the range. So like where Ether's falling down to like 1575 right now, like 1575 and 100, 1,100, these are, there's a gap there. Um, so in that 200 days, like not necessarily clear skies. Um, 200 the, days to is, go right. would put us in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe like mid 2014 or sorry, God, 2014, 2024 yeah. is what I meant. Uh-huh. The wrong four. Um, but what if this cycle is a little bit longer than the last cycle? Isn't there some, uh, truth to the idea that every cycle takes cycles. a little bit longer lengthening cycles How about yes. that um, theory? Correct. Yes. That, that length cycles have tended to lengthen out a little bit. Um, there's also the conversation of like, well, was it even crypto's four-year cycle or was it the liquidity in the macro four-year cycle? Um, lots, lots of variables here. Uh, I think just like the stupid brain take is like, yo, 500 days, last time was 700 days. You, you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't have to think too hard about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's maybe, 300 days, which is a yeah, year. Maybe, yeah, 300 days more, maybe 400, maybe just 200, maybe 150, right? We're in the range, we're in the zone. Let let me ask you, because I feel like at this point in the market, we are our most sober ever. I know you're talking about (laughs) earlier, but the truth is you and I are very, very sober. Well, yeah, this is the the, the very depressed range. Like no Mm -hmm. one's getting excited. No one Mm -hmm. is like happy. Have you seen how much fighting there's going on on Twitter right now? Everyone's angry. Everyone is angry and irritable. It's because we've got no serotonin in our system. We've got no dopamine. Is that why? Okay. Um, Well, I want to ask you in this very sober moment that you're in, Mm -hmm. call the top. Next cycle top. Okay. (laughs) 300 days away or whatever. ETH price. Give me the top. Fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars. Wait, wait, what? Fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars. Fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars. That's a big bump from here. Yeah. So you think we're going ten to fifteen x? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a pretty okay. sober come down from like the last call, last cycle's range, which we called for 10K, and we got well, not anywhere close. Yeah, I guess last cycle's there. range, you know, it was really hanging. This zone was like... Um, Anthony Sazano was calling for $10,000 when Ether was $100, which is like, he was the, I think he was the first big like person to like put a very confident 
a flag in the ground saying like road Ether's, to 10k ethers 100 dollars. i'm calling for a ten thousand dollar eth k i mean mm -hmm. we didn't get to ten thousand dollars we got to five thousand dollars but like in a log a logarithmic term anthony was right i think my so my take on that is um 10 to 15k this is pretty close but above 10k because the theory is it's a lengthening cycle maybe yeah. but it's also like a dampened like we're not yeah. always going to get like yeah. And what was the last cycle? Where oh, did I'm, go I'm hitting sell at 15,000, by the way. <laughs> Are you? You sell ETH? Well. How dare you? Yeah, at some point. Is that allowed? Is that allowed on the bankless program? Are you allowed to sell ETH? Sure. At 15,000? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just all of it? You're going to. No. I'm out. <laughs> no, See you later. Yeah, I'm out. Like, job here is done. Bankless <laughs> is closed. <laughs> we got you to 15K. See you later. Close for business. You're on, you're on your own now. <laughs> no. Nah, you know, here's a secret about my co-host, David. He's addicted to the podcast, you know, oh, yeah, almost as much true. as this I am. True. So uh, we'll, we'll just change podcasts. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Wait, do you have a top call for Bitcoin or do you uh, not no, care as much? I don't care. Below okay. my 15K. <laughs> 100K? What about 100K? 100k like bitcoin that. yeah sounds, sounds i feel like that's right. totally possible yeah shooting from the hip ratio anything on the ratio this it, week it's down three percent and total crypto market cap we're above a trillion there one you go. point almost 1.1 trillion not dead it's yet close though um david you want to talk about the fed a little can bit you, can you do it i can talk about the fed sure um the fed leaves rates unchanged that was the news of this week so you know the rate of uh, 5.25 to 5.5, mm -hmm. they were scheduled to maybe think about changing that uh, right now, and they decided not to change it. So there's no change. This is the chart over time, David, all the way from the 1970s, Fed fund target rates. And 19, good old 1970s, it was between like 8 9%. And then by the early 80s, you remember Paul Vol Volcker? I mean, we don't remember him, but I don't. he existed. He's a name a, that we know. I did not exist when he was in his leadership position. Well, way before your time, David, he, uh, he increased, you. yeah, no, I didn't, but he, he increased, um, prices to, sorry, market fed fund rates to 19%. All that right. And then it came insane. down. Like this is the story of the nineties. It was just down. And then the story of like post 2008, it was right, like right. zero. Right. It was very, very low. Yeah. And now here we are back to uh 5.25%. This, when I look at this chart, it does not look organic at all. I no, don't know what to make of it. It's yeah. very controlled. Yeah. It's not an organic chart for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This does kind of look like the interest rates last stand. It's like this is the first <laughs> time interest rates have gone higher than they previously were. Like we're yeah. marginally higher than the second second to last most previous um, interest rate. Uh, and But that's just because we just did helicopter money, right? I feel like, you know, interest rates last stand before. Well, I mean, I don't know. As inflation does increase, capital controls go up, interest rates might might go up. Maybe, maybe it does get worse. I don't know. Well, this is what the Fed projects is one more increase this year, two cuts in 2024. So one more increase, and then we start cutting in 2024. Again, these are just projections. Uh, and also, the Fed does not expect a recession, if that was on your uh, rather report. And uh, GDP will grow. So uh, we'll see how that works out. That's the prediction coming down the pike for the Fed. They're um, not. They're not re expecting a recession, and they're expecting GDP to grow. Yeah. Okay. Always so, so they're expecting sunny skies. Only good things. Good things. Good things. My um, cynical take is like, yeah, sure, like, you know. I mean, but it hasn't been catastrophe. Yeah, a lot of people are calling right. for catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Bology? You know, one million Bitcoin and right. all the banks are going to fail. Hasn't happened yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Like when we were doing all the macro stuff a little bit over a year ago, like everyone was giving us doom and gloom and it hasn't been terrible. Kyla Scanlon, who I think has been the most tapped into this, has called this a vibe session. So people <laughs> feel worse than the actual fundamentals of the economy. 
People <laughs> report negative affect about inflation and their prospects, but the actual metrics of the economy don't support that alignment of negative sentiment towards the economy. So she's calling it a vibe session. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm sure there's theories on what causes that, but we don't have time to get into them. No. Here's something we do want to get into though, David, a question for you. How many Americans do you think own, uh, own crypto right now? Give me uh, a ballpark there estimate. are 330 million Americans or 350 million Americans. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mm, that includes all the kids, you know, so all the kids, oh. uh, five, 10 million, 10 million more five X that according oh, to Coinbase 50 report. million. 50 million, uh, 50 million crypto owners. Um, let's see what the stats are here. Yeah, Coinbase says one in five Americans own crypto right now. Hmm. And that is 5X more Americans than own an electric vehicle. You know that? Um, that's, <laughs> that's a weird stat. I mean, I get what they're saying. They're saying it's, it's a weird growing. stat, but yeah. it's a cool stat because they're, right. putting, they're putting the crypto users into like political cohorts. Right. Yeah. So here's uh-huh. another one. Um, 3.5x more Americans own crypto than belong to a trade union, Hmm. okay? There are 2.75x more Americans that attended an NF... uh, This is 2.75x more Americans than attended an NFL game seat. So bigger than the NFL tribe, too. Bigger than the football tribe. And this is 2x more than American families who hold stock. That's unbelievable. I can't be right. Who directly hold stock. Is that an important... Mm, yeah, maybe stock. who directly holds stocks so and not yeah, through yeah, mutual yeah. funds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who, how do you, um, I don't even know how you directly own stock. And this is more Americans than use Uber every month or ride Yo, crypto is more popular than Uber? That's kind of cool. That's what Coinbase says. Okay, uh, here's a question to you. How many, at least, um, and this is on Ethereum specifically, how many mm-hmm. addresses hold USDC? How many Ethereum addresses own USDC? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to call 1.2 million. Wow, pretty good. 1.7. Wow. Okay. It's not exactly yeah. relevant to what we were talking about, but I think it's a nice metric to, just, to talk about. Well, do you want to know what the spread is in terms of demographics here? So I said one in five adults own crypto, and uh, 75% of them have an income less than 100K. All right. So this skews yeah. under um, you know, six figure salary. Uh, 60% are Gen Z or millennials. Yeah. Okay. Which probably not surprising, but yeah. also like forty percent are yeah. boomers and Gen right. X. Forty-one percent are racial minorities, hmm. and sixty-three percent of crypto owners agree that the system unfairly favors powerful interests. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised about go. that. Actually, I feel like that should be higher. <laughs> so Coinbase is basically channeling this into like a political motivation. Right, 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 it's right, basically yeah. saying, "Hey, Public we have sentiment. a cohort. Go out, vote." Um, download the app, look at your candidates and, uh, you know, get out there. And this is a message as much to crypto users as politicians. Like we're a powerful cohort and force if we choose to use it. The one thing I would say is I wonder how many of those 52 million Americans feel kind of down bad about crypto. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Do you know what I mean? Next. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) How many of them are like, I own crypto and I'm proud of it and I can't wait to tell you about it. No, they're probably I own crypto and I'm a bag holder. (laughs) They're probably like, yeah, mistakes were made. At least you know, 2021. At least 50%. Uh, anyway. Can we move on to some happier news? I got some happier yeah. news. Uh, we have an anniversary news. to celebrate. Ethereum's oh. first merge anniversary. So the <gasps> first anniversary of full proof of stake, well, not full proof of stake, proof of stake Ethereum happened on merge Friday, September 15th. Uh, okay. So some, here's some numbers. Since the merge, almost a million Ether, 980,000 Ether burned, 11.6 million Ether staked, and 362,000, 100,000 validators. 
Uh, so pretty cool. Uh, yeah, congrats to uh, the Ethereum for having your first merge anniversary. You know what is the, this is the uh, third anniversary of September, uh, September 2023, Ryan? What? Bankless what? LLC. <gasps> oh, yeah. wow. When we started, we were like, oh, we got a podcast. Podcast let's is going well. Let's, in a company. let's put a ring on it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Let's register in the state of whatever, Virginia, Delaware, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Some stupid let's, nation's let's make thing. this real. Yeah. I always forget um, about that. Yeah, well, happy anniversary to you then. On, yeah, likewise. On Bankless. Likewise. Um, but let's not overshadow the merge, yes, okay? The merge is a little us. bit more important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, I, I got a, fl a flip. Maybe some bad news? It depends on how you interpret this. Bye-bye per ultrasound yeah. money, David. It's gone. Ultrasound money. Forever. Well, yes, <laughs> forever. forever. This was Ethereum's first inflationary month. I think we're talking time. about In a long time. the month of September or yep. the last 30 days or something. Uh -huh. um, so some history from October 2022 until now, there's only been one month in loss. There's only been one month where Ether the asset was not ultrasound money. Overall, there's been a gain of 414 million in uh, 2023. But in September 2023, Ethereum block spaces only had one single profitable day. So in September so far, there's uh, 15.9 million in losses. Mm. David, does that kill wow. ultrasound money meme? Are yeah, we gone? It's totally dead. <laughs> what are the reasons for this? Uh, it's the bear market. It's just like on-chain activity is super low. No one's minting new NFTs. No one's doing any sort of degen stuff. And simultaneously, layer two activity is up only. So I think the layer two stats, the activity on all layer twos are 6X versus the Ethereum layer one. So like this, this is what is expected from the layer two roll-up centric roadmap thesis. We take Ethereum's economic activity and we move it onto the layer twos. So I don't think there's any coincidence in, in looking at the aggregate Ethereum layer two economic activity and the reduction of gas uh, of Ether being burnt on the layer one. This is, this is what you would expect. Yeah, layer twos are very healthy. This is the mm -hmm. highest we've seen at the scaling factor, 6.21 this week. Mm -hmm. David, we have a question later in the episode, at the yeah. end of the episode, about whether this is actually bullish or bearish for Ether, for Ether the yeah. asset. So we'll talk about that. What else we got coming up? Coming up next, we have a very important part of the answer to that question, Ryan. It's always going to be inside of the world of roll-ups. Layer two summer is getting hotter and hotter. Three Ooh. new roll-up ecosystems have joined Ethereum just this last week. This isn't just another OP stack. It's not just another Arbitrum or ZK Sync. These are brand new ecosystems coming into the Ethereum uh, layer two roll-up fold. So we're going to talk about all of these. We're also getting our first uh, privacy-enabled layer two. So one that's already in the Ethereum ecosystem, but this one private. Uh, tons of things to talk about. And Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, everyone's favorite NFT celebrities in the hot seat from Gary Gensler. Uh, there's just a lot, so much more to talk about even beyond that. Uh, all of that is coming up and more. But first, a moment to talk about these fantastic sponsors, especially Kraken, our preferred crypto exchange for 2023. If you do not have an account with Kraken, consider signing up in the show notes below. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today.
Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. We got a narrative watch this week. Are all the chains moving to Ethereum? Are all the chains becoming layer twos? That is a question we're posing this week. There's been some maybe evidence of movement this week, or at least support more, more for than the a layer little two evidence. ecosystem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we got three examples here. What are we talking about? Aster Network from Polkadot, Canto from Cosmos, and Eclipse, not necessarily from Solana, but using Solana technology. These are all brand new ecosystems coming to launch different layer twos powered by different technologies all on Ethereum. So Aster Network from Polkadot will launch a ZK EVM layer two powered by Polygon's technology. Uh, And so a quote out of Sandeep here, uh, Aster is the leading blockchain of Japan, he says, which is probably why I'm not familiar with it. Uh, After launch, it quickly became the most notable parachain in the Polkadot ecosystem, focusing on owning the Japan market. Uh, Japan, with a large entertainment and gaming ecosystem, has the potential to become one of the biggest hubs of Web3 in the world, especially with the most crypto-friendly regulatory environment, Jealous. Uh, So with the Polygon CDK, the chain development kit, this is the OP stack of Polygon, uh, Aster will be able to build a ZK-powered layer 2 with a trustless bridge straight to Ethereum. This is the Polygon subnet, uh, the Polygon SDK, CDK. Uh, so this is uh, Polygon taking a win from Polkadot. So that's the first one. You ready to move on to yes, the second one? Yes, yes, yes. But before uh, we do that, so they're taking a win from Polkadot, I would say, in a way, but also not. So I was corrected by the Polkadot community. Aster is not totally migrating Polkadot. So they're going to yeah. actually maintain their Aster um, parachain on Polkadot. And this is both. like an expansion move. Yeah, I guess two chains. I don't know. Um, I don't so, that that. Yeah. That doesn't under that doesn't fit move. in my understanding of Expansion how this works. Move. And you know, I, I don't know how this will um, uh, change long term, right? right? Whether you know they're going to have to pick one chain or the other. But um, yeah, that's what the the founders reached out and, and said to me after I, I tweeted something super salacious. Which we could we talk about that tweet later. Anyway, yeah, yeah. that's my the, caveat. Okay, but one Polkadot and Ethereum are both trying to be settlement layers. Mm. One activity activity from this chain it has to pick one. Like one chain, you can only be enshrined to one chain. One I chain to rule them all? Where yes. Are you Sauron, like, the you Dark can't, Lord? You can't, you can't be poly. <laughs> in, poly there are no poly chains. <laughs> this is Polygon, uh, though. You tell me I can't be poly. They Polygon poly. settles to Ethereum. <laughs> okay, I, I will have I to go get my... confuse everyone. I will have to go get my learn on, and we will talk about this next week. Cool. Uh, What's the next one, though? You know that Cant- one a bit better. 
Canto, yes. Canto, uh, it was previously a Cosmos chain. It was uh, Scott Lewis's project. It's the, uh, what is it? The contract secured revenue model as a layer one. Now moving to a ZK layer two, poly, powered by also Polygon's chain development kit. So Polygon taking some dubs this week. Uh, so uh, Canto from a layer one to a layer two. Um, and My understanding, all- by the way, in the size of this, Aster is about 500 million uh, mm-hmm. total locked value. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that's all you know migrating, but that's a lot. Um, Canto is about... Amount. 40 million in terms of market cap it was it yeah. was way up there and then it's right it, it's it had it had like a it had like a moment and then it, went, yeah, it died yeah, back yeah. down so yeah. additionally with this pivot into a layer two on ethereum uh they are also pivoting into the world of real world assets i know scott lewis is very uh bullish on real world assets and so and where are double, they pivoting oh, from david it's not it's not um it was a, a cosmos out. it was a cosmos chain wasn't it yep yep cosmos, cosmos chain. chain cosmos chain yeah. yep, yep 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 okay uh ready for the third yeah Eclipse, we did a show on Eclipse uh, with the founder, Neil, this week. And so this is the Solana virtual machine inside of an Ethereum layer two. Uh, But not just Solana technology here. Uh, We are using Celestia for data availability and then risk zero for fraud proof. So we have Ethereum for settlement, Ether for gas and payment tokens, the Solana virtual machine, Celestia for data availability, and risk zero for fraud proofs. What? What the hell is that? <laughs> it's a platypus chain. It's what a is platy- it? You, you had a meme about that. I don't know if it made the agenda, David, but- uh, about, Yeah, like, it's in there. Uh, it's further down. Oh, no, I don't see it in the agenda. Uh, we'll get it. Sorry. Uh, it's on my Twitter. It was a good meme. It, it's the it's the family guy. What the hell is this meme the, with four different animals all kind of like slapped together? Uh, okay, so why Solana VM? Why the Solana virtual machine? Yeah. Like, I don't even think Ethereum people will argue that it is just a great piece of technology. The EVM is custom built to do certain things. It's meant for security. It's not meant for execution. It's also made in the year 2015. It's got improvements, but it's just not built from the ground up. It's single-threaded rather than multi-threaded. Right, Right. so multi-threaded. Parallelization is what the SVM's got. It's also got localized fee markets to help with hot spots is what they call them, where people are just using the same state and that needs to be jacked up in fees, but nothing else does. so now the Solana virtual machine, that piece of technology, is now a uh, roll up on Ethereum, a layer two on Ethereum. Uh, Celestia for data availability, just because it's got more bandwidth than Ethereum, and then uh, risk zero for, for fraud proofs, of course. Um, so there, I thought the episode that we did with Neil was extremely informative. Uh, I think this is a very strong validation of bankless theses, where uh, I remember an old 2019, uh, 2019 tweet, 2019 tweet of mine, wow, was just all about how like, Ethereum is gobbling up all useful bits of technology. And this is one of the main um, reasons why I've never been able to fully understand the investment thesis behind Sol because Sol and the SVM are different pieces of technology and now the SVM is settling on Ethereum. So if Solana is as good as it purports to be as an execution layer, well, that can be settled on Ethereum. And so now it's Eclipse versus Solana in my perspective. Yeah, there's a full episode on that. And by the way, yeah, I'm, I'm clicking through it right now. Is this what I look like the whole freaking time when we interview people? Look at this this face, is why man. I tell you to sit up every single time we start recording. Well, yeah, I'm, you're, you're so first Mr. Of all, I'm super bro. low. I'm you're super slouchy. But look and at your, that face. And your camera sucks. It's just like boring into you, the guests. Like that's not <laughs> hospitality at all. It's just, it's that's just, just a particular rude. one particular frame. Really? Let's yeah. go to something else. If you, oh if, you, if you updated the camera that I gave you, the camera makes you smile more. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a filter. Right, I'll get to that, David. I'll it's get right on that. It's, it's only been four Bankless weeks. Bankless Nation, I shipped yet. Ryan a camera almost a month ago, 
And all he has to do is take the old camera off you. and put it's the on new camera David. on and plug it's in on the HDMI and it's, he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it will get done. Uh, next roll up. Maybe I make a promise, a public commitment to the bankless community. Next roll up, I will have a newly improved uh, camera and you can, you can hold me accountable on that. You wouldn't, you, know, you wouldn't fail the Bankless that. Nation, would you? I would never do that. Would never yeah, they, do that. The, your, Bankless every, has never disappointed to, the Bankless Anyone. Everyone talks about how good your skincare is, <laughs> Ryan. And so I think people are like, they would love to attempt to see the pores. You know, maybe okay. maybe we can All get right. even closer. We'll zoom in. We'll zoom yeah. in. Um, this is Why my comment we, from it. Is, yeah. That was a weird segue. Whatever. Weird, weird segment. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy the roll up. Um, this is my comment on it. The largest chain from Polkadot just moved to Ethereum. That's Aster. The largest public comments chain... Uh, from Cosmos just became a Polygon Validium. Validium? Uh, it's Canto. And I hear the world's first Solana virtual machine SVM layer 2 is dropping. Uh, Ethereum rollups are eating the world. That's nom, my nom, kind nom, of nom, nom. ETH sort of centric type uh, take, I guess. Uh, yeah. I'll amend this a little bit because Aster didn't move to Ethereum. They just opened up a new residence, I guess. I That's disagree with that, but I need to learn more. Canto definitely moved completely. Canto's moved. Canto is now in Ethereum, Ethereum. layer 2. And uh, there's some debate. I mean, there's some debate in the community as to whether the Solana virtual machine deploying it as in, uh, layer two is actually uh, bullish for Solana or bearish for Solana. I mean, there's, there's a question of relative to mm -hmm. Ethereum, and there's also a question of relative to other layer ones. And of course, right. like in you and vacuum, I have our yeah. take on that. But before mm -hmm. we get to kind of like our take on that, uh, we should hear out some members of the Solana community. What's their take on that, David? Yeah, so this is uh, Mert, who uh, you know who does a Solana podcast, also the founder of Helium uh, on, on Solana. He says, seeing some awful takes about Eclipse, an SVM-based ETH layer 2, and how it is, quote, bad for Solana. Uh, please don't fall for such non-serious comments. This is extremely bullish for Solana. This is open source software. It's as if, as great as we say, it's as if, as great as we say, it'll be much more concerning if it weren't being adopted. So he's saying like the Solana, the SVM is so great, it would be weird if it wasn't adopted. And it is being adopted, so that's validation about how great Solana tech is. Hmm. Solana's bottleneck has never been tech. It's been mindshare, and now with Maker forking Solana and Eclipse inject and Ejective adding SVM rollups, you can see Solana is gaining mindshare. Not only does this open the door for more developers, it also de-risks those wanting to build on Solana because now they can deploy in multiple environments versus just the Solana Layer 1. Layer 2s are inevitable. Ethereum is, isn't going to just stop, wor stop working on them because you disagree with their roadmap. So he's talking to the Solana people here, kind of in the same way we talk yeah, to Yeah, but he's basically saying that the point is that um, any propagation of the SVM is right. good for Solana because yeah. it gets the SVM into more developers' hands, more mm -hmm. ecosystems, and then they kind of come back to Solana. So yeah. um, that's certainly a take. Um, here's another take. Who's this? Frankie? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know this Twitter account, but they uh, write very well in the short of the tweet that this is, and I love history. And so I think this is, this. Uh, I agree with this take. This is my perspective as well. Um, he starts the tweet titling, SVM Rollups and the Elgin Marbles. Elgin? Elgin Marbles. In the early 19th century, the Earl of Elgin removed a collection of Greek sculptures from the Parthenon and placed them in the British Museum. At the time, some Greeks justified the removal, saying that the placement of the marbles is in such a prestigious museum validated their artistic value. And indeed, to this day, the Elgin marbles are displayed in, a, in Britain, a testament to Greek culture and artistry. Yet, every time a museum ticket is sold, profit flows back to Britain, not to Greece. And 200 years later, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone in Greece who thinks that this was a good trade. <laughs> this is my perspective. What does that mean? <laughs> For people who aren't into like the metaphors and historical significance sure. of this, like please, yes. please link this. 
Yes. So like I said, uh, I would say even everyone in all the developers in Ethereum, the the debate between Ethereum and Solana is not about the EVM versus the SVM. I think everyone in Ethereum will say, yes, for execution purposes, the SVM is a marvelous piece of technology. The debate relies on the properties of Solana as a settlement layer versus Ethereum as a settlement layer. So Solana and all of his hard work has created the SVM. A lot of technical expertise has gone into the SVM. Now Eclipse is taking that technology because it's open source and free to fork and saying, hey, since this is so good at execution, we're going to use this as a layer two on Ethereum and we're going to tap into Ethereum's network effects, Ethereum's assets, Ether as money, uh, the liquidity. I think we forgot to mention that, by the way. Uh, Eclipse is using Ether as money. Yes. Yeah, I did, I did, I did mention that. Token. Yes. Okay, cool, so yeah, cool. the native currency of Eclipse is Ether. Uh, and so, you know, it gets to tap into the liquidity of Uniswap, uh, any of the other activities that are now adjacent to all the layer twos. And so it's making a bet of taking Solana technology, but saying it's going to be able to be better expressed connected to Ethereum. And and we t- when we talked to Neil, his philosophy on Eclipse is similar to the philosophy of Solana, which is one single shared state is very valuable, one single composable layer. So Eclipse wants to absorb a ton of economic activity and put it all in the same spot. So is, it, is Eclipse going to compete with other Ethereum rollups? Certainly. Optimism competes with Arbitrum, Arbitrum competes with Polygon, and now all of these things will have to compete with Eclipse. But there is a, in, in the terms of like flow and diffusion and osmosis of economic activity, the difference between like how much SVM based activity is there on Ethereum versus Solana? Well, there's all on Solana and none on Ethereum, but now there is a place to express Solana activity on Ethereum, which is the new SVM based rollup. And so I think it's really Eclipse versus Solana. And this is what the Ethereum rollup centric roadmap thesis has always said. Like Solana competes with layer twos because it competes on ex- execution. This is so much of the thesis that we've had about the Ethereum rollup centric roadmap playing out to a T. Whatever technologies that's out there, that's useful. If it is useful, you can just plug it in as a rollup to Ethereum. Yeah, and the, the, I guess hence the yet every time a museum ticket is sold, profit mm-hmm. flows back to Britain, not Greece. Right? right? That's how yeah. that that relates. Is basically it's mm-hmm. flowing back to Ethereum, not Solana. I, I I think what's interesting here is you could say in a world that it's sort of bullish for both, but it is it is bullish for both. The pie is growing here. The yeah, real so, question is who is cha- taking a larger slice of the pie. I think that's true, and also so I'll say my take is it's bullish for both. Um, Solana in a way, maybe, but it's more bullish for Ethereum than Solana, but it's more bullish for Solana versus some other competing virtual yes. machine type of technology, yes. right? It's Which, bullish Solana versus the long tail of other layer ones. Yeah, so it's Solana. kind of complicated. And I think people, um, you know, people would say we see this, like every tribe sort of sees what they want to in this story. Sure. And, you know, people see, say that, you know, uh, yeah, you guys like Ethereum so much. And so that's obviously why, why you think this is bullish right. for um, Ether. But I would just say, I well, think if you believe in the thesis of um, moneyness, on, of, like of that's Ether? the big yeah. departure. The, the yeah. big difference, I think, between uh, the Solana community or other communities and kind of the, you know, the, the, the tactic that, that we've taken on Bankless is, we believe very much that all layer ones are competing as monies, as Correct. monetary assets, as store whether, value Whether they assets, like it or not. Whether they like it or not. And so we see Ether being used as money and to um, pay for you know block space, fraud proofs for this new Eclipse SVM chain. And we're like, oh, bullish ETH relative to everything else. Because actually, I think all the rest of it is kind of a commodity. 
the technology is open source and we can use it. It's sort of like for me, I saw this at play with um, uh, Cosmos in, in the beginning. Like Cos- Tendermint is used freaking everywhere. It's mm-hmm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's an open mu- source piece of technology. How much of that value accrued to Atom? Right? I there, would say effectively zero. There's not very much, right? It, a little right. bit did, but not bit. like a moneyness type of uh, right. quality, not not uh, massive appreciation, not you know many hundreds of billions of dollars into the trillions of value. So mm-hmm. it's just a different way of uh, you know the the thesis playing out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've talked about think, this a lot. <laughs> I would also, we, I think, if we're going to talk about who's like taking wins and who's taking L's right now, Celestia is taking a win here. Yeah, uh, and so if agree. the ether gets more moneyness, and this is a roll-up centric roadmap. Uh, a theory thesis is that actually ether flows and why there's less burn going on this week is because activity is going to layer twos post 4844 layer twos have to burn much less ether than than previous because that is the benefit of of call data moving into blob space Mm. so all layer twos are going to be burning less ether and why is this bullish for Ether? Well, you're enabling more networks that all use Ether as money. This is already true in Eclipse, which is already using Celestia for data availability. And so Celestia is taking some of the fees of this of the Eclipse layer two that would have otherwise burnt Ether, otherwise gone to the Ethereum layer one. And so Celestia is taking a win here. Um, Ether is taking a win here because it becomes the money of Eclipse. And I think Solana is far is behind these three in terms of like you know the one, value captured. One thing I'll say captured. is some people say this is all, you know, um, pedantic and like who cares? Layer one, layer two, like mm-hmm. who cares? Just build some apps, guys. Like we don't have yeah. any apps that the world can use. Right. So yeah. these are all stupid academic kind of conversations. Apps. Yeah. The only reason I do think this is important is because one thing we're trying to do is actually understand how these assets should be valued. Yes. And like we're we're trying to create a um an investment thesis, right? right. We're trying to understand, well, mm-hmm. is this asset more than like worth going to be worth more than this asset and if so, what are the drivers for that? So, mm-hmm. to me it's just like a capital allocation type of decision, it's an investment right. type decision. That's right. why it's worth discussing. But right. I agree largely that the point is moot. If we don't have apps that will yeah. consume this block space, then who cares? I'm just, yeah. I see that as an inevitability. And then then you have to track through, okay, where is mm-hmm. value actually going to accrue in mm-hmm. this stack? And that's right. why it's important and worth talking about. Yeah. And I think to tie a bow on this, risk, risk zero uh, is the big non-capture of value here. It's even behind Solana, I would say. Sorry, risk zero. Well... I think they got something there, though. But anyway, that's something. a yeah. discussion I mean, for if, another you know, time. The Phantom, for example, didn't get anything here. Mm. At least the Risk Zero is in the... <laughs> Phantom? F- the F- and Yeah, the, 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 the uh, layer one that's not even relevant uh, to this cool. conversation. All right, I forgot they yeah. existed. All right. right. Um, David, Gary G versus the cats. What's going on here? Uh, SEC is charging the Stoner Cats, uh, the Stoner Cats NFT project. This is the project that... Um, remember that video that Mila Kunis and Aston Kutcher... Uh, made where Assing Kutcher was like married to Mila Kunis. He goes, hey, babe, uh, what's Should we play it? A- Why don't we just play it? Hey, babe. Yeah. What's uh, crypto? It's digital currency. <laughs> hey, hey, babe. Yeah. What's blockchain? It's like what information stored on. So like, it's, you know... What information is stored on? Hey, babe. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's uh, decentralization? 
Oh, there's not one person in charge of anything. So it's everybody keeps everybody else in check. I mean, it's not so bad. There's not one big like, so far, so good. or yeah. entity to hold great. everybody to the same code. It's the people holding each other responsible. Hey, babe. Yeah? What's Ethereum? So Ethereum is a general purpose blockchain. So unlike um, other I blockchains, still love like it. Bitcoin, for example, I don't care. Just a okay, so for big yeah, listeners yeah, who are not yeah. watching, so Vitalik is actually in the living room hanging yeah. out with Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Is that like promotion though for stoner counts? Is that why it came out? I don't know how this came to be together. I remember after stoner counts came out, I was like, hey, Vitalik, can you intro us to Ashton and Mila so we can get them on the show? Um, we never had that show happen, but he said, he did say like positive words about like Mila and, and Ashton and what they're doing. Um, this so, is stoner yeah. cats, by the way, this is what they look like. Just little cute stoner cartoon cats. cats. Oh yeah. I forgot about the story that we're even talking about. Okay. So Gary's Gary Gensler is coming after the cats. Mm. Uh, and so he's uh, charged them with offering unregistered securities. Surprise, surprise is Gary Gensler's favorite move. Uh, and, uh, so like looking at the PFP offerings as akin to 2017 ICOs, same marketing mistakes, um, one aspect of this is that the fact that the NFTs were not CCO was relevant to the security status analysis. Um, oh, really? The marketing and manner of the sale was similar to um, vintage ICOs, they say. Uh, another relevant is that the issuer received a 2.5% royalty on secondary sales. And also the issuer advertised the team's credentials and expertise when marketing the NFTs and indicated potential increase in value. So more or less kind of all of the reasons about why NFTs we consider to be good and powerful for the margins and for the everyday man is why these are being deemed by uh, and security by Mr. Gensler. So what was the punishment? A cease and desist order, a civil pen penalty of a million dollars. And like, I guess you can't, uh, can no longer do the stoner cats if you are the, the, the issuer, the creator of the stoner cats. So what are the implications of this, David? Loopify put out a good tweet about this. They saying, well, Stonercast have to return the $8 million raise. That's a new precedent. I haven't Ooh. heard that before. Maybe that's normal. And pay their $1 million fine. He, they also follow up and says, I think the NFT space is missing something really scary uh, happening right now, saying that I don't see how 99% of projects aren't in trouble. So this is that's kind of the, the danger of thing. this. Yes. It, it, why is Gary Gensler going after this project? It's because of Mila and Ashton. We know Gary Gensler is an influencer. We know that it is his game. That is why stoner cats are going after being uh, targeted here. Yet the foundations that support stoner cats are the same foundation that supports your desirable NFT that you probably own, Bankless Listener. Well, uh, right. Like, so if stoner cats is a security, then mm -hmm. all NFTs are security? Right. Any NFT with a roadmap is a security. So if there is resale royalty value that goes to the team, and also if the team is saying, hey, we have a roadmap with plans to increase value to these NFTs, that's a security. So there's a, a quote from the director of the SEC's Division of, of Enforcement. Uh, Regardless of whether your offering involves beavers, chinchillas, or animal-based NFTs, under federal securities laws, it is the economic reality of the offering, not the labels you put on it or the underlying objects, that guides the determination of what's an investment contract and therefore a security, which I agree with, by the way. Remember my whole hot take about like board apes or a security? That's what I'm talking, that's this. Like resale royalty team that does, does promotion. But we all know that what is the fifth prong of the Howey test? What does the SEC want to regulate it? Yeah, but I don't agree, I don't agree with that. Like, so I, I, I don't understand what makes this an NFT and why, do, why doesn't this director of enforcement show up to like, 
my kids' school at recess and go, you know, grab right. their Magic the Gathering cards and Pokemon right. cards as unregistered securities. I mean, an right. NFT is quite clearly a collectible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't understand how. Right. Um, yeah, like what's the framework for this? This is it is the fifth prong of the, the Howey test. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, all of a sudden, the SEC has determined that there is enough desire for them to regulate NFTs, and they're using cool cats or not cool cats, um, stoner cats to do it. It's just so frustrating, man. I it, mean, it's easier just... to make the argument against NFTs than it is Magic the Gathering cards because like upside and liquidity and royalties are just baked into the smart contract by the so way they're, they're called just smart hyper, contracts. They're just hyper infi- efficient. Um, you know, Magic the Gathering cards and digital yeah. Magic the Gathering cards. Like what's yeah. the difference in an open DeFi account? The difference Magic is- Magic the Gathering cards are just so many more steps removed from the financialization of crypto. I would love to see that tested in court and hopefully with stoner cats or some NFT project, it gets to be tested in court because to me, there is no distinction between like physical collectibles like this and what we're talking about on the NFT side. A collectible is a collectible. And does Gary Gensler want to like regulate all collectibles? Yes. Probably. That's the, that's the problem. (laughs) That's the problem. That's what we're talking about. So Hester uh, Peirce, uh, once again, uh, dissented, chief dissenting officer, along with another commissioner, uh, Yuleda, U-Y-E-D-A, apologies for not being able to pronounce the name. Uh, they released a joint statement saying they disagree with the SEC's actions against stoner cats, uh, comparing these NFTs to 1970s Star Wars collectibles, which is exactly your point, Ryan, uh, stating that th- we need to protect artists' abilities to create without excessive legal constraints. Uh, there's some also just sort of really great quotes in here. Um, it, they say that it, carry, it carries implications for creators of all kinds. Rather than arbitrarily bringing enforcement actions against NFT projects, we ought to lay out some clear guidelines for artists and other creators who want to experiment with NFTs in a way to support their creative efforts and build their fan communities. Artists of all kinds have long struggled to support themselves, and NFTs offer a potentially viable way for them to monetize their talents. Yes, this is why NFTs are good. The fact that money is involved does not transform NFTs into securities. Basically saying, like, like Hester Peirce is saying, like, you are killing creative endeavors, Gary Gensler, by trying to regulate all of these things. Like, don't regulate artists, regulate Wall Street. And I think that sentence at the end is important. The fact that money is involved does not transform NFTs into yeah. securities. So what you just said previously, which because it's liquid, because it you know can go up in price, because it's digital, because it's DeFi, does not make it a security. Has nothing to do with it. Collectibles also fit that criteria. Anyway, uh, I don't know where we're going in the U.S. with all this stuff, David. It's just, man, they keep attacking every. every yeah. Like Gensler's got to go. That's yeah. the, the bottom line. Is that Gensler's got to go in order for crypto to like continue to have a you know a strong future in the U.S. It'll have a strong future everywhere else. Somewhere, but- somewhere, yeah. Uh-huh. It, it's, it is just a shame that uh, NFTs and the power of NFTs, like I see goodness in NFTs. I'm a relentless optimist. I see the power. Like remember the the story I was telling you of the NFT that I bought and the creator, uh, the cast simmered photographer. Like yeah. that is a story of an NFT. It's not a security. And if you deem it a security, it's just fundamentally bad for the universe. Sadly, those stories are few and far between in NFT land these days. They're more stories about like rug pulls and stuff like that. Uh, so that makes that uh, just a more uh, bigger uphill battle. Well, speaking of uphill battles, uh, last thing on the SEC this week, and we, I want to move on. The SEC's crypto enforcement chief, the same guy I think we we're quoting, he warns more charges are coming to exchanges in DeFi. Great. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Awesome. Um, that's just a, it, like a not so veiled threat. We're coming <laughs> for you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely uh, ridiculous. Okay, uh, ready to move on. Coming up next, new Optimism airdrop. Yes, for real, Optimism airdrop number three. You should go get it. Actually, you already got it. It's already in your wallet if you qualified for it. So we're talking about that. Uh, Infura, decentralizing, a very hard thing to decentralize, going down the progressive decentralization route. And then there's a moral dilemma. Uh, Coinbase uh, earned 570 ETH of MEV as a result of the curve hack that, that happened not too long ago. Should Coinbase give it back? What are the legal implications of this? And of course, Mark Cuban's wallet exploited for almost a million dollars. Uh, PR and crypto at the absolute floor, but we're going to talk about all of that stuff and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio. If you've not opened up your MetaMask Portfolio at all, uh, it is a sexy piece of software. Go check it out. MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to manage your crypto assets and to tap into DeFi all in one place. And the most important part of that experience, buying crypto, obviously. MetaMask Portfolio's buy feature enables you to purchase crypto easily without going through centralized exchanges. Designed with you in mind, you can fund your wallet directly in just a few clicks with convenience and simplicity. What happens when you press the buy button? Rather than being limited to a single payment provider, MetaMask brings together a bunch of vetted, trustworthy providers to present you with customized quotes for your crypto purchase. Once you've funded your wallet, you'll be able to plug into DeFi with all the money verbs like swapping, bridging, and staking. But first things first, you need skin in the game. Head over to metamask.io portfolio to buy crypto the easy way. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Airdrop coming in, Optimism Airdrop number three, 19 million OP tokens allocated to 31,000 unique addresses. That's almost $30 million given out, uh, meant to reward positive sum governance participation in the co uh, collective, directly distributed to addresses. There is no claiming going on. If you qualified for the airdrop, you got the airdrop. If any website or Twitter or whatever says, go claim your Optimism Airdrop, that is a scam. Don't do it. Uh, people got allocated these OP tokens. If their their current holdings of OP were allocated, uh, delegated to a governor, and they got a bonus if that governor was active, really doubling down on OP governance. Uh, so that's the Optimism Airdrop. Also, Optimism Retroactive Public Goods Grant Funding Round 3 is also live right now, so you can submit your project to receive a retroactive public goods funding from Optimism as well. That is Optimism. Ryan, you want to take next? Yeah, they're sprinkling that uh, airdrop to a lot of people over time, I guess, yes. with uh, these yeah. OP grants. Um, mm -hmm. The next is about the pull token. So the pull token is coming. Do you know Matic, the mm -hmm. token, is becoming mm -hmm. pull in the future? So there's a Polygon 2.0 implementation that is happening in Q4, the beginning of Q4, it looks like. And one of the main implementations here is Matic is going to become pull. Um, there's some new token economics behind this. So there's going to be a yearly emission added to the uh, Matic, aka pull, um, 
issuance schedule. It was a fixed 10 billion in total supply, and the yearly emission is going to increase to 2%, and that will be equally distributed between the validator community and a community treasury to fund uh, Matic Polygon moving forward. I guess we'll call it Polygon moving forward. Um, there's also a native Matic bridge. Mm-hmm. In addition to the upgrade to the token, we're also getting an upgrade upgrade to the bridge. Of course, Polygon proof of stake has always been a side chain. It is now becoming a roll up. And so that means we need a, to build a bridge. Uh, so there is a, a new uh, canonical bridge for Polygon being built. And these are basically the main two upgrades to Polygon. I guess we're on the layer two track right now. So uh, our... Arbitrum, what are they doing? They, they've got some quests. They've got an Odyssey going on. What's this? Yeah, the Arbitrum Odyssey was a thing that they were doing pre-airdrop, and everyone thought that like this is the surface area for qualifying for the airdrop. They weren't wrong. Actually, it kind of was. Um, and then they stopped the Arbitrum Odyssey because it was so popular that it crashed the network. Uh, and then they had Oops. to install Nitro, and then get and that was the upgrade. Uh, and then they airdropped the token anyways. And now Arbitrum Odyssey returns. So seven weeks of an on-chain excursion, completing missions, exploring some communities. Oh, there's some music that I wasn't expecting from Ryan. Wow. <laughs> uh, the purpose of the Odyssey that. is to explore Arbitrum 1's diverse set of applications and introduce you to the protocols that you might not have used yet. I don't know what the incentive is now that the uh, token is already out there, but hey, I mean, pay, crypto pays you to learn it. It's probably going to be beneficial some way. And then also the last bit of Arbitrum news, uh, Conduit, which is a roll-up as a service provider, uh, previously just focused in the optimism ecosystem, is now being supported by Arbitrum. So how like it's great that we have the OP stack, but just launching an OP stack chain takes infrastructure. This is what uh, Conduit provides to the OP stack world. Uh, Public Goods Network, Zora, these all launched with Conduit. Uh, now Arbitrum Orbits is uh, also part of the Conduit offering. Uh, and so Arbitrum is going to, it's just now, it's easier to deploy Arbitrum it's like chains. A, it's just like a cloud provider for, cloud provider um, for, for roll layer two stacks. infrastructure. Yep, yeah, that's basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just a part of a growing story as to like the growth of the Optimism super chain, the growth of Arbitrum Orbits, but also the growth between these two things. As soon as you get Conduit to do some shared sequencing, all of a sudden these things start to blur together. And that's is Conduit cool. a shared sequencer too? It can it, it be a uh, it has the um, properties that are required to make shared sequencing hmm. powerful. Interesting. Yeah, we will do um, a show on this soon, TM. Let's talk about the Coinbase moral dilemma. So yeah. Coinbase apparently earned 570 ETH as a result of the curve hack. Do you remember when we were talking about the curve hack Yep. Uh, months back, maybe? Yeah. Well, uh, Coinbase earned some MEV as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, here, here's the headline. Coinbase received 570 ETH, the second largest payout tied to MEV in Ethereum's history to process transactions related to the Curve exploit. Okay, so this is like perfectly legal. Mm-hmm. And it's they, legal they just the were, They're of, the random lottery winners who got the big MEV block. It yeah. happened to be Coinbase. And it's legal in the sense of... Um, like it's not illegal in the kind of the nation state, but it's also in the code is law sense. Right. I mean, they're just yeah. playing by the rules of the game. Yep. They got this yep. 570 ETH yep. allotment, but it was like hacked money. It was like right. exploited money. Yeah, so it's, not, it's not the greatest reason good. why. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so what, what's going on with this story? What, what's the dilemma here? Yeah, so there is a call for Coinbase to return the hacked money. This is Alchemix's uh, curve pool money. Uh, and so mm. the Alchemix pool that got hacked, this MEV happened as a result of that. Uh, and so there's a call for Coinbase, like, hey, give the money back. Like, you guys got the money, give it back. But did um, Coinbase give it to all of its stakers, basically? Was this part yeah, of Yeah, so this is Coinbase part of the legal dilemma. Decision. It's like, well, is it really Coinbase's or is it part of CBETH? The first question that came up in my mind is like, okay, if 
if Coinbase, the validators for CBE, Coinbase, Coinbase's liquid staking token, if they mm. got it, well, that actually belongs to the people who operate this, the LST, the Coinbase LST. That's and this article doesn't say that the validator is linked to Coinbase's LST program. I kind of would assume that it would, but it might just be an independent validator that happens to be Coinbase. Yeah, but so, does, it, does it belong to the uh, CBE holders? So it's a matter of like who owns that, who operates that validator and why. Coinbase can operate validators outside of the CBETH program that's not connected to the program. And then there sure. are the actual validators of the CBETH program. I'm just program. saying in any case, you know, couldn't you make, you could certainly make the legal argument that Coinbase should give it back. Uh, no, if it, it, if it is the CBETH holders, it is, it belongs to the people that own CBETH and they, and Coinbase as a why fiduciary. Do you think that? Why do you think that? Because, I don't know that that's, is it true? Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Because the the power, the might of Coinbase's validators is thanks to the people that have staked their Ether with Coinbase. It belongs to the people that own CBETH, not Coinbase's validators. Coinbase can't just, uh, of their own decision, take no, no, money. No, but that, what I'm saying is why, why wouldn't the CBETH holders uh, be like legally liable to give it back then, right? Or like Coinbase is kind of the intermediary for the right. CBETH holders, like- right. I, I, well, there's so, so, there's so many. This of is them. very clear in Rocket Pool, I think, right? right? Which RPL got some of this MEV as right. well as part of it. And it's decentralized, so everyone gets right. it. Yeah. And there's no call to kind of like give it back. Right. But because Coinbase is a centralized entity right. operating this validator service, right. they kind of can give it back, right? That's, not that's why this is a story is people can see the trail of money go to Coinbase and be like, hey, we know Coinbase. Brian, hello, uh, please give the money back. It's interesting. So what yeah. do they do? What do you think should be done here? Do you have a solution? A statement from Alchemix to Coindesk says Coinbase has shown no willingness to return the funds despite knowingly benefited directly from the exploit. Coinbase representatives have sold that there's no legal requirement to reimburse anyone. And also, it's like if they do reimburse the money, then it also is kind of a legal precedent of just like that we don't want to enforce. Granted, uh, MEV burn totally removes the power to give back money. We should do that. We should do we MEV should, we should burn. Do that. Yeah. Let's just yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, Resolve just it. maximum credible neutrality. Yeah. Well, then all ETH holders are equally culpable. Yes, yeah. ETH Everyone is a money. part of the firing squad, yeah. Uh-huh. David, this is some cool news from Aztec. What's going on? Yeah. yeah, Aztec announces their sandbox, a local developer testnet for smart contract privacy. Uh, the Aztec project and the fullness the fullness of it has been described as like one of the most ambitious cryptography projects of all time. Um, it, they want to be a fully uh, decentralized, privacy-preserving layer two. They want to go from just like not having a live in-production environment to a full in-production, fully private, fully decentralized shared sequencer layer two in one big go. Uh, that's a thing it, we don't have yet. We don't a, have a private yeah. layer two. We don't have privacy on the base right. chain. This is a thing that we need. Yeah. So this sure. is the, f- the first step uh, in getting a fully fledged, fully private, fully decentralized layer two. Um, again, very ambitious project making um, steps along the way. Is the government going to let them dun, 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 to be determined, right? I what hope, happens here? I hope. I, well, okay. So why did coin, why did, why is this not illegal and tornado cash is illegal? Well, because, um, North Korea used tornado cash. Well, and like more, more than that, I would say because OFAC, you just said, you know, tornado cash is illegal, right? Well, yes, but as a result they, of, well, North, as Korea a result of North Korea, yes. they didn't have to do that though, is all I'm saying. Pointing out. <laughs> OFAC did not have to say that. <laughs> that was, that was an option. To so not guys, do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, in Fiora, becoming more decentralized, that, that sounds like good news. What's going on here? 
Yeah, so Infura, they are the RPC endpoint service provider for your MetaMask by default is one of the centralization vectors that I don't think is massive because it's easy to change your RPC, but yet nonetheless, it is a centralization vector. They're entering their progressive decentralization uh, era, if you will. Uh, and so they are looking to decentralize part of the Infura stack. Uh, so this is a consensus project. The idea, I would assume at the end of this, is now a DAO with different um, federated modular parts of Infura um, so that Infura, a very important part of Ethereum, uh, is now decentralized. Uh, I think a regulatory may be driving some of this too. I don't know, but Probably. You know, more centralized infrastructure providers are looking towards decentralization. Um, speaking different types of centralization vectors, uh, back on FTX, you want some FTX gossip this week, David? I like nothing more. FTX is suing SBF's parents. I love that. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. That's great. They're all eating their own now. So uh, what's this lawsuit over? Did you see this? Uh, yeah, so $26 million in gifts and property have mm. gone to SBF's parents from FTX. They uh, were so this, in it, man. Oh, they yeah. were just as yeah. uh -huh. dirty as SBF was. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, where did we just... Oh, <laughs> Sam goes to his parents like, Mom, Dad, I'm so successful. I'm going to give you $26 million in a house. <sighs> um, so, okay, so the suit is looking to claw back property and millions of dollars in, quote, fraudulently transferred and misappropriated funds from SPF's parents. Um, yeah, so also, since 2019, according to this uh, article, Sam's father also directly participated in efforts to cover up a whistleblower complaint that threatened to expose the SPF, as the FTX group as a house of cards. Yowzer, so parents just as bad as Sam. Stanford ethics professors, by the way. Oh my God, dude. That's what they were. Takes one to know one. Are no longer. <laughs> Um, this is SBF's mom right here. Look at look yeah. at a lot like SBF to me. I mean, Honestly, I, that's kind of the image that I had in my mind of SBF's mom. Wow, uh, things could get more ugly. In that uh, Nick Carter calls them the crime family. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. probably accurate. Yes, <laughs> the crime yeah, family yeah. of SBF. <laughs> David, mm -hmm. this is sad. Uh, Mark Cuban's wallet got drained. It looks like for almost a million dollars. What are we looking at here? Uh, we are looking at Mark Cuban's wallet getting drained. Uh, that's what it is. Uh, so Mark Cuban <laughs> on chain, think, you can see on chain. It. Yeah, you can see the Mark oof happening too. in live. Yeah. Uh, so the wallet was inactive for 160 days, and I think maybe Mark Cuban just decided to do some uh, spring cleaning. But in that time, it looks like he downloaded a um, malicious form of MetaMask, and as soon as he typed in his password, then boom. That's ah, bad. So this is what Cuban said, his direct quote. I went on MetaMask for the first time in months. They must have been watching. I'm pretty sure I downloaded a version of MetaMask with some shit in it. <laughs> that's what he said. But that's what he said. I, I'm sorry, I think, Mark. I think that's what happened. Do you Metamask, remember when Mark came on our show, show the last time? It's like a little over a year ago. He I was, do. He was extremely jaded by crypto. I do. And this is definitely not helped. Can, nope. can we talk about that then? Like, yeah. this is not only bad PR, it's really bad UX. Yes, it's bad UX. Yeah, getting hacked is bad UX. This I is kind of it. the worst UX possible. Imagine yeah. like you think you have fun somewhere and you're being your own bank and right. then you your just bank gets get robbed. your bank gets robbed. Yeah. And can, can you produce a safer vault than your home bank? Probably not. And again, like Mark Cuban wasn't a, um, he knew his way around crypto decently well. Like it was, he wasn't like he was a better than most for sure. Yes, I mean he did like he did stuff with his uh, mm -hmm. MetaMask wallet. He did DeFi stuff. He like, had he, he had know. funds on the Polygon layer two that he was actually able to save because the MetaMask didn't point to Polygon. So he saved a few million dollars that was on um, uh, Polygon. So what do we do about this, David? 
I was uh, I saw this headline go out on Twitter while I was just hanging out with some friends in voice yeah. chat, non-crypto friends, and I just read it out like, "Oof, Mark Cuban just got his crypto wallet uh, drained," and they were all like, "Yeah, it's duh, like you crypto's broken, you can't use it. I'm never touching it." And like when that's the PR of crypto for the last like two years straight, like I had nothing to say. Yeah, I I don't know. We've got to improve UX in this area. It's just fishers and OGs are getting scammers. It's true. It's yeah. true. And it, I mean, this, this can happen to people for sure. So yeah. uh, I don't know what the solution like, what is. What is the answer? Just like, oh yeah, don't touch, don't do anything with your crypto. Like that's not the future that we envision. Smart contracts that, I don't know, validate, that check things. I don't know. If you bankless The answer nation, is account abstraction, but we've been saying that for a while. If you guys have a, a solution for this or Nova Project, uh, I think it'd be really interesting to to get them on the show at some point yeah, to talk about yeah. this in more depth. Yeah. Wow. Um, call, call for startups. Yeah. Call for startups. We'll, we'll fund it. Bankless Ventures. Back to good news. There's two new Ether ETFs that are going through the gauntlet of the SEC. Um, what do we got here? Uh, Hashdex mixed Ether ETF. What's a mixed Ether ETF? It's a mix between futures, cash equivalents, et cetera. Just a hodgepodge of Ether exposure. Uh, so that's what it files with, uh, with the NASDAQ. And then Grayscale, of course, much more familiar, Ether Futures ETF. So two new Ether-related ETFs in the pipeline to get denied by the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually they will be approved. But eventually uh, we'll just DDoS them. I, I, spot Bitcoin ETF. I still think it's happening within the yeah, next yeah, six no, months. Yeah, I, I was being facetious. There's a pretty good chance that they get approved. Uh, yeah, just, it, just it not take soon. some time. Just not, not soon. soon. Not, not soon. soon. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we got some questions for the nation. That question that we talked about earlier: What are the implications of five cent sub five cent transaction fees on layer twos and on ether layer ones? Uh, all this stuff. What happens if block, spa block space gets so cheap? What happens to my ETH bags? Uh, that's a big question. We'll ask that. And then also, there's another one. Uh, and then some hot takes from crypto Twitter. We got some uh, good takes this week. And then of course, what Ryan and David are excited about coming up. I, all this and more as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Cello is the mobile first EVM compatible carbon negative blockchain built for the real world. And now something big is happening. Introducing the Cello Layer 2. It's a game changing proposal that's going to bring Cello's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Cello Layer 2 on the Cello forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Cello Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability and one block finality. What does all that mean? Rock solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo layer two, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo org on Twitter and visit cello.org to shape the future of Ethereum. You know Uniswap, it's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap mobile wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, 
simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There is a link in the show notes. Question this week from ZeroX Nader. What are the biggest implications for blockchain apps in a post EIP 4844 world where transactions cost less than five cents? What will become possible that wasn't before? Okay, this EIP number, an episode we did earlier this week on Blob Space. This is the mm -hmm. next Ethereum hard fork. It's probably coming right. in the next three months or so, plus or minus, you know, one or two months, something like that. And it's going to make layer two block space really, really cheap. Uh, mm -hmm. According to the ETH researcher we had on the podcast, Domothy, he actually says like, basically free, effectively at least free. at first, effectively yeah. free or really close to free and could be maybe subsidized by the layer mm -hmm. two as well. So the question is, what are the implications of this? What does that mean uh, for apps? Are there new things that are possible? So it's not just about getting cheaper fees. There's a threshold that is crossed when you get cheap fees cheap enough. There's like a zero to one moment when we get real, real close to zero. Um, and that the, remember the episode that we did with Antonio Garcia's from Spindle Project, who worked mm -hmm. in the Web2 ad space, mm -hmm. his take that immediately just merged into my brain as knowledge about how this whole system works was that the ad model of Web2 and Web1 paid for the development and growth and adoption of the internet mm -hmm. because third-party ads, third-party service providers paid for the maintenance of websites, for the utility of websites. And they just paid for, in aggregate, eyeballs for people views to go to websites. And that was just the big engine that powered the growth of the internet. What did it take to get there? We needed some certain level of bandwidth to get there. And then all of a sudden, once things were sufficiently cheap, third-party ads subsidized development and growth and innovation and utility of the internet, which caused even more traffic, which produced the utility of the ads. That was how Web2 grew. Web2 was never going to grow if you needed to pay $5 a month for your Facebook. Like that was never going to work. Instead, we have the ad model, and that's why Facebook is valuable. It's why Twitter is valuable. It's why Web2 is the way that it is. Okay. Like, without ads, so we wouldn't have the, YouTube. The, 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 the point that you're making is there's mm -hmm. some large third party, in this case, mm -hmm. ads, mm -hmm. or, or like model, that mm -hmm. is funding all of the user activity. Right. And it, that drops the user activity right. cost to like zero, basically. It, costs, it, it drops the user activity cost to the user to zero. Yeah. It, using the internet costs someone money, Yes. It costs the operator of the website, the who's making the website in the first place, yeah. it costs them money to have users. Instead of users paying for it, ads paid for it. And yeah. that was just more efficient and it paid for the growth of the internet. Because we are the product. Because <laughs> we are the product, yeah. But but again, in the beginning of the internet, that was a bad. good thing, not it's a okay. bad thing. It's just now in this day and age, it's kind of turned into this like maladaptive thing. Okay, move forward into Web3. When you get fees to like below five cents, below one cent, you know, 0.1 cent, all of a sudden, new business models are unlocked by people paying for their users' transactions. Websites, like apps, anything. Like ima imagine if like, I don't know, your favorite app that you use all the time just paid for your transactions. That app would be more useful. And so we've, we do not know what new use cases are unlocked when transactions are so cheap that third-party businesses or you know, third parties can subsidize users' transactions when they're free. And so that is a that is just like a massive playing field that we have not unlocked yet because we've been existing in the internet where users have to pay for everything. And we know from web one and two that that doesn't work. We all know that Facebook wouldn't have worked if you have to pay for that service. And so now there's new use cases where third parties pay for you to use them. And all of a sudden, like UX is better, economics are better. Uh, and this is just like the paradigm shift that happens. Yeah, 
it, it is hard to predict what those apps might it, be it, though, right? right? What the yeah, high bandwidth apps emergent. might be. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we might look to some apps that were tried at first that just fell right. on their face because transaction fees were, were so high right. and too, too uh-huh. expensive. Right. And so that might be a class that, that we could look at here. Right. Here's a related question. I think that's important. The next question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bear Burrito asks, if the base gas fee is, let's say, 20 guay for us to be in the ultrasound territory, what happens in the L2 world where transactions are occurring on layer two and gas fees on layer one continue to drop below the ultrasound 20 guay barrier? Does this reduce the impact of the burn? What is the value in ETH in a layer two world? I think that's the the meta question here. So free transactions, practically Mm -hmm. free, um, less usage of mainnet. We're not deflationary anymore. And by the way, right. for the last month, we haven't been deflationary. We opened right. the show with that. What is the role for ETH? Does ETH price go down in this world? What is there still a value accrual mechanic? Yeah, I still think in the fullness of time, uh, Ether will, the layer one will be expensive. Like it's currently not expensive because of the bear market. In the fullness of time, we're going back over 100 gateway gas prices. So you still predict deflationary ETH basically. Yes, yes. But overall, there is a large transfer of economic activity from the layer one to the layer twos. And the, the layer two, the role of centric roadmap, the, the reason why 4844 is a big deal, what, why we call um, giving rollups first class citizenship on Ethereum, why we are saying like, hey, Ethereum is super credibly neutral, but we're still going to prioritize layer uh, rollups. And what does that mean? We're, we're not charging rollups for call data or data availability. So we're making that resource effectively free so that rollups can be their maximally independent own network and just do the minimum amount of payment to the layer one to exist. So rollups pay the minimum amount of value to the layer one in order to exist. So rollups burn the minimum amount of ether to access the security and decentralization of Ethereum. This is taking away from the burn of ether and it is giving it to the moneyness of ether because these rollups are adopting ether as money these are all satellite network networks of the ether monetary system and so the bull case for ether goes is it it's not not the burn because like i said there will still be burn but it will it's a transfer of ether will be bullish because of it being adopted as money and less of it getting burned. Just more people will have reservation demand of Ether on these layer twos than Ether will be burned. So there's a trade-off here and one is creating the other. And the the trade-off is saying that there will be so many layer twos that will all use Ether as money that that is going to to be a bullish trade-off. Yep, that's basically it. So the two reasons ETH is valuable is one, because uh, Ethereum sells block space and that, that, that turns Ether into a productive asset. So it's a capital asset. There's some return on that asset. It's yielding uh, positive cash flows. That's number one. And the second is because it's a monetary unit. It's a store of value. It's a medium of exchange. It's a unit of account, these things. It's collateral for a loan. It's economic bandwidth. And what you're saying is in the short run, maybe even the medium uh, run, well, the block space demand goes down and kind of the, you know, the productive asset, the capital asset, utility value of Ether, the asset might go down and uh, Ether might turn inflationary. Um, That's more than compensated by um, Ether's use as a monetary unit inside of these networks. And you just look Mm -hmm. at uh, Eclipse, for example. Um, They're launching with Ether as the money for block space, for their gas, and as uh, the unit of uh, exchange, the unit of account. And all of these layer two networks will require a very strong 
decentralized monetary unit in order to mm-hmm. operate. And the default is probably going to be Ether. The default for their DeFi and their you know collateralized loans, their economic bandwidth and all of, all of these things is probably going to be Ether. And that's the bet. And it's as simple as that. Yep. And so you could believe that happens or not. And that that's your entire thesis for uh, Ether the asset. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually kind of simple, I think. It's, it's just- It's a very simple, yeah. Ether is a monetary network and it's the roll-up centric roadmap that is carrying the money of Ether to the corners of Ethereum. And then I also will say, like layer twos are going to trade with each other and they're going to settle through the Ethereum layer one. So yeah. instead of like individual users going from like one layer two through to the layer one to the second layer two, they're probably going to bridge. They're probably not going to touch the layer one, but then like massive big shipping containers of value are going to throw, flow from one layer two, settle down through Ethereum, use Uniswap, use Aave, whatever. And then, and then that new state will be uploaded by a different layer two. And that is the net economic activity that's going to stay at a basal level on the Ethereum layer one where you're going to get Ether burn. And it will be burnt. It will be deflationary is my prediction. Uh, it'll just be not like maximally deflationary. Instead of trading maximum deflation, we're trading for maximum monetary network size. There you go. Uh, takes of the week. David, what's this one? From uh, this uh, came out from Matt Huang of Paradigm. It came out last night, uh, Wednesday night. He calls this the casino on Mars. So this is actually a full blog post, um, but uh, he does a shorter condensed version along with a fun, cool little graphic. Uh, and so I'll read out the blog post while Ryan puts the graphic on the screen. Uh, he says, it's useful to think of crypto as a new planet that's being settled. Skeptics see a desolate planet without purpose or worse, a haven for an unsavory casino. Optimists see a p- the planet's potential, a blank slate on which we can build an upgraded financial system and an internet platform. Early settlers are a mixed bunch. Explorers drawn to the frontier. Speculators, some rough and disreputable. Innovators and researchers attracted to what's newly possible. And ordinary people, especially those marginalized on Earth. Governance remains ambiguous. Some earthly jurisdictions prohibit their citizens from visiting. Others seek a foothold in the new world. A history of speculation and hype cycles have cast a social taboo over the new planet, leaving many to wonder what is its future. Today's casino-like speculation is a part of the bootstrapping process, much like the gold rush of the 1849 transformed San Francisco from a quaint village into a major port and ultimately the heart of tech innovation. Today's speculative frenzy in crypto is attracting the settlers and catalyzing the infrastructure necessary to turn a barren planet into a thriving crypto civilization. Probably the longest take we've ever read uh, read out here, uh, but the accompanying uh, visual I thought was also very cute and fun. You know what this looks like is uh do you ever play like rts games like starcraft or yeah. like warcraft uh, uh-huh. you know warcraft there's some there's a like the that. command and conquer reference in the bottom left corner of paradigm oh is it really over yeah yeah that's uh-huh. what this looks like to me so we're yeah. looking at a, a graphic and there's kind of a you know a city in the middle and it's got ethereum and th- this mm-hmm. is it bitcoiners were first to settle here exchanges like coinbase and binance get you on and off the planet ethereum is the largest city depicted here where uniswap is the best way to get around mm-hmm. uh very cool to Un- see. uniswap is a monorail system in uh the ethereum yeah city. and, and there, there's some other like uh, cameos fire. yeah there's a, there's the ftx exchange right next to the coinbase exchange and binance exchange and the ftx yeah. exchange is just burning coinbase exchange has a rocket that is launching because of the base layer two then on the other side there's the cosmos ecosystem with all the independent satellite cities and then there's luna that's just on fire uh and i, I the nuances in this illustration i thought was great nuance and also some of the paradigm bias you see i don't see any yeah. kraken right here you know that, that would no, be uh, fred, fred arisom is a coinbase oh, yeah, maxi right. i'm sure right i don't there, see there's arbitrum no arbitrum yeah so there are investors <laughs> in optimism but there's no arbitrum yeah you know it's out of frame it's probably in the full picture yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, out yeah, of frame yeah. in this picture yeah, yeah. Yeah. um david here's a take from you 
Um, I'll, let me start with uh, Mike Ippolito. Tweet. It's a, it's a take says, within a take. Cosmos for interoperability, Ethereum for security, Solana for execution. That's similar really to um, the episode we just did yep. recently with him where he basically said that. Um, there are three different approaches trying to solve the same problem and th- coming from three different perspectives and angles. And uh, your tweet on top of the tweet was, now, which one do you store your wealth on? Yeah. What do which, you one do you, which one do you store your wealth on? Interoperability, security, or execution? Where do you store your wealth? Interoperability, security, or execution? If you're which just saying the- those words to me, I want security because like money vaults, Yes. security with like armed guards and I don't want it to uh, leave my wallet the way um, Mark Cuban's $1 million left his MetaMask wallet. It's a different type of security. But anyway, I want security. That's the thing I want. Right. Money is secure. Money holds its value over time. Interoperability, you suffer from the MV equals PQ problem. Uh, Solana, well, we saw the execution of Solana moving on to the security of Ethereum. Security is money. That's my take. Yeah, it's the it's the a classic bankless money classic bankless take, okay? take. Yeah, MV equals PQ. Where'd yeah. you pull that one out? I haven't heard that yeah, since we, 2017, my friend. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, the velo- velocity. Remember the velocity, velocity problem? of money. It's yeah. old school Chris Berninski talk around yeah, here. That's yeah. That velocity problem. Uh, that that was the OG tokenomics. Remember supply sinks? Yeah. Wow. Oh God, we've come, we we've come so far. Come now far. it's very simple. Blockchain sell blocks <laughs> like money. All, all layer ones compete as money. That's what you need yeah. to know. Uh, yeah. David, what are you bullish on this week? I'm bullish on choosing your own character class. We Bankless has its own illustration to bring to the table, just like Paradigms. Ours, the, the, our Paradigm has the cities in this new planet. We've got the character classes, the character archetypes. Uh, I put out an article this week in the Bankless newsletter, and this is a metaphor that we've used like since inception of Bankless, I would say. When you come into crypto, you choose your character class. Like, What do you want to do in crypto? Do you want to be a trader? Do you want to be a yield farmer? Do you want to be a token degen? You want to airdrop some, uh, some airdrops? You want to be a content creator, Twitter influencer? Or you can be like Ryan, just be the silent staker. You're also a content <laughs> creator. Um, so like I just, put, I just made this fake universe, uh, talked about the archetypes of each. It's like the sorting hat article. This is, I think we're going to reference this article in the future. Um, this is like the sorting hat. So when your friends inevitably get into uh, crypto during the bull market of 2024 and 2025, this is, I think, a very useful piece for people to understand how crypto operates, why crypto Twitter is weird, and it will help them just like move through the crypto rabbit hole faster and I, quicker. I think we've made this point before, but the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. is try to play all of these at the same time. Yes, right. <laughs> you do not have to be good at all of these. I very quickly realized I was a bad TA trader when I tried in 2017, uh, and I was like, oh, never again. <laughs> yeah. I, is it one, one other thing I'll say, shout out to Gordon from our team who put these yes. graphics together. Uh, absolutely graphics. fantastic. And I guess if, if a paradigm is playing the like Starcraft, this is like a, you know, Diablo two or something yeah, yeah. or Diablo yeah, yeah. three uh-huh. uh, type of reference, right? Because you really, it's a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's really important for people to understand what they're, what, what game they're playing in crypto, right? You mm-hmm. don't have to follow all of the token trends. You don't have to, uh, Right. be degenerate nfts you can just be that shout out silent staker class yeah. uh-huh. okay you could just like dollar cost average in to yep. assets that you know like ether like bitcoin every single week and mm-hmm. and stake it as well and play that yep. game just know what game you're playing choose your character class it's the most important thing you can do in crypto that's yeah. a great content piece david yeah and it. also like all good games there is an expansion pack we already have ah. the expansion pack ready to go uh, but we couldn't put uh, 15 character classes in the first edition. 
So these are the base. These are the base characters. There are more characters, and I will say this to everyone out there who uh, started critiquing us for saying like, "Where is the dev character type?" The dev character type is not a base character. That is in the expansion pack, folks. <laughs> Yo, wait. Do they have wait to until the addition to the expansion pack, pack comes out. We got the on-chain wizard. We got the researcher. We got the high priest. We got the trade influencer. We got the dev. Everyone, calm down. God, everyone's fighting these days. Christ. No, it's just Twitter. Everyone's actually happy outside of yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that. And unhappy listeners of the bankless podcast are like why are they always like fuck talking about twitter fights <laughs> it's because we spend too much time online it, sorry guys but that's true. how we it bring the true. content to you it so it's true. double-edged yeah, sword yeah. um okay ryan what are you excited about you want to hear something super nerdy about what i'm excited about uh, it's always nerdy this well is a this nerd is actually show. i feel like yeah you're right okay this but is a nerd this show. sounds nerdy non-evm <laughs> virtual machines yeah that's, that's what's pretty, getting me going this week it's pretty nerdy yeah. all right okay tell, tell me about them brother uh, the, the Solana, um, virtual machine, the yeah. SVM. Okay. Yeah. We, we haven't had an opportunity to explore it in depth and, um, we've wanted to, right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the truth is, uh, the EVM is kind of like it's legacy technology. It's yeah. pretty, it's, I wouldn't say it's legacy. It's just old technology. It's single threaded. It's not optimized for execution. And, mm-hmm. um, the SVM has really been optimized for execution. Um, solidity is kind of, so I'm told from the devs, a janky type of language yeah. like it's a derivative from javascript with so from a previous uh, era of crypto yeah with svm you can use like rust yeah. um really optimized for execution and i i guess i'm just excited about not only uh, the svm and eclipse and kind of layer twos um but there's not there's other non-evm like multi-threaded projects being developed as well there's one that i'm aware of is called monad mm-hmm. they're actually developing something that is uh kind of an evm and closer may, to the evm yeah it's, it's like parallel EVM? parallel evm yes and so that's being developed anyway this whole puzzle piece of the virtual machine is finally getting some love and attention mm-hmm. it's also happening mm-hmm. by the way in the evm community with arbitrum and stylus yep. right yep. um they're giving yep. the evm a little bit of love so we're finally and, and for getting... what it's worth sorry to hijack your shit but yeah, like no, go. Uh, uh starkware is a non-evm layer two aztec is a non-evm layer two fuel is a non-evm layer two and so there, there has been a splattering of these yeah so it's a it's a nice new um space that we're experimenting and, and developing mm-hmm. in so yeah sorry to be nerdy but that's the whole show you're right about that non-evm virtual machines are getting yeah. me going this week Cool. Yeah, I know. Also, that, that is the roll-up centric roadmap is useful pieces of technology can just plug in to smart contracts. That's David, what, is. what do we got? Meme of the week. Meme of the week. This one's from Udi Wertheimer. This is about NFTs. Uh, NF, this is the uh, guy riding a bicycle who sticks a peg through his bicycle and falls over and blames something else meme. Uh, so first panel, NFT MFers. Second panel, scamming each other and nonstop until everyone's poor. <laughs> and then third panel where he's falling on the ground grabbing his knee and goes, Effing blur, <laughs> blaming it on blur. Yeah, because is blur is the reason. Yeah. Is that, are Blur's, we just, blur is the reason why all of our NFTs are down bad. David, are we just nonstop scamming each other and then blaming other things for that? Is that is that um, <laughs> is there some truth here? Yeah, the, the, as as much as I uh, think Udi's a big big fat troll, uh, <laughs> he is also generally like on target sometimes <gasps> about stuff. Oh man, uh, how are we going to stop the scams, David? You got a solution for that? Just stop scamming people. <laughs> stop doing it. I don't know, man. I'm not doing it. You're not doing it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that that's the simple solution. It's just uh, scammers stop call, scamming. Call to action. Like Everyone stop scamming. Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> stop scamming. Stop. Stop. Do it. <laughs>
Let's get to disclosures. We're going to end with risk in a minute, but first we disclose David and I are both advisors and investors to Optimism. I'm an advisor to Polygon. I'm also an investor in Arbitrum and Monad, the project I mentioned too. And we're both investors in Aztec. Of course, mm-hmm. both David and I hold Ether. We are bullish layer twos and the entire ecosystem. We are long-term investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's always a link to the disclosures in the show notes. And you know this, and uh, Cuban felt this this week, certainly, but crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone. You got to be careful, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Are you sitting up as much as possible? I'll come down. Yeah, you will. (laughs) You got me. I'm trained. I'm programmed. (laughs) All right, ready? Yeah.